the book of 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. Ephesians, and then you'll come across Colossians, Philippians, the Thessalonians, and right on into 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1. Now, you know, we've been talking about grace, and we're going to keep talking about it again tonight, but you've got to ask yourself this question. Are, are you following Jesus, or are you trying to get Jesus to follow you? And many times that's what we do. We, we try to uh, make the Word work for us instead of letting the Word work in us. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've tried to change numerous things in my life. I tried to change me. I didn't help. It didn't work. I tried to change Shelly. I tried to change my marriage. I tried to change circumstances. And what I found then in my own life, that when I try to change things that only God can change, I live in frustration. I'm telling you guys, there was many years of my life I lived in frustration because I was always trying to change me. Well, that's where grace comes in. Begin with me in 1 Timothy 1. Let's start in verse 12. The Apostle Paul talking here, he said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Now, I like that right there. Thank God, our Jesus has enabled me. That means he's made me able. He's made me adequate. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now this is Paul talking. And he said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, and that word insolent, you know what it means? That he was a violent, arrogant man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He didn't understand what he was doing. Verse 14. But the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. The grace of our Lord superabounded to Paul. Now as you read this, you begin to look about this man named Paul, who it said that he was an arrogant man. You saw that he was a blasphemer. He was this and this and this. But when the grace of God abounded toward him, there began to be some changes. Now look what it goes on to say here a little bit about the grace. Back in verse 14, it says, The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And so the abundance of grace, when mixed with faith and love, when mixed with faith and love, guys, I'm going to see, see great victories, but he says here, they are in Christ Jesus. So when I get born again and Christ Jesus comes into my heart, guess what I get? I get grace. Not just grace. I get a super abundant of grace. I get the love. I get faith. So this is what happens to the Apostle Paul. Now read here in verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He's saying, as a sinner, I'm the chief. Now when the grace of God came in his life, this is the very man who says he's the chief sinner who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. When I see what the Apostle Paul did, the Apostle Paul to me was the greatest minister ever on earth besides Jesus. What did it start? 
Well, the grace of God covered his past. It covered his sins. It covered his mistakes. And it'll do the same for me and you. When I get a hold of it and start living by the grace. Now, when he says he's the chief, you know what I see here with Paul? He never forgot where he came from. But he fully understood it was because of Jesus Christ that he was redeemed and able to start living like God wanted him to. That's good news for me and you. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So I've got to get a hold of this grace. Now, go to your right to the book of James chapter 4. The book of James chapter 4. Where's James? Well, keep going, you'll get to, to Hebrews. And right after Hebrews is James. James chapter number 4. Oh, get ready. It's going to bless you. We'll be taught the Word of God tonight. All right. Read with me starting in verse 1 of James 4. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? In other words, the desires that battle within us. And every one of us have battles within us. He goes on to say, you lust and you don't have. You murder and you covet and you can't obtain. Now that's interesting to me right here because one of the reasons we don't live successful in our walk in the things of God is right here. And you say, what do you mean right here? Well, look at verse 2 again. He says, you lust and you don't have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. So the problem right here is I try to do everything out of my own abilities. And this is what this is talking about. And so look at the last part of this. It says, you do not have because you don't ask. Now this verse to me right here is, is two different things. Number one, it's first trying. When I try to do things, guys, I'm going to live in frustration. The grace comes in and the humbling comes in when I humble myself and I go to the Lord and I start asking Him. And I say, oh, Father God, you've got to come into my life and help me. And that is surrendering and that's part of humility. When I say, I can't do this on my own. Now, when I look at this right here, guys, this is like the Super Bowl for each one of us. And you know what the game is between? The game is between the law and grace. And you know what law says? It's by my effort. It's by me trying. But you know what grace says? It's by God's effort. And it's not by me trying, but it's by me learning to trust. Where I begin to trust God and say, okay, Father God, grace me in this area. Now this goes back to what I said earlier. In my own life, anytime I tried to achieve things out of my trying and my effort, guys, it led, it, it led to this right here. I cannot obtain. Keep reading. Verse 3. You ask and you do not receive. Now I want to stop right there just a second. You ask and you do not receive. If you'll notice there, I'm going to talk just a little bit for this. He said you ask and do not receive. He didn't say you ask and do not get. Now there's a huge difference between getting and receiving. And when I, I look at that, you know how I get? 
By me trying. By me trying. You know how I receive? By me trusting. Now he says some things in this verse. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So he's telling us here, this becomes an issue when my asking is based on selfish, a selfish prayer. It's about me, 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 me. And so when I look at this, sometimes what we ask for may be wrong. But sometimes what we ask for, even though we don't get it, isn't wrong. And the reason I say it isn't wrong, it may just be the wrong time. And the reason I say that is because Father God knows each of us better than, than we know ourselves. And so Father God knows what's best for us, and He knows there's times in my life He needs to work some things within me before He blesses me. Because if I get certain things before I'm mature enough to handle it, man, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's detrimental to me. The same as a parent. Think about this. I, I, you know, every one of us in here that have children, when they're growing up, we want to buy them a car. But I don't buy them a car when there's a, they're a kindergartner. Why? They're not ready to handle it. And you probably don't buy your 10-year-old boy a new deer rifle. Why? Because he's probably not ready to handle it. Well, that's the same with Father God. So when I see this right here, you've got to understand. Just because you don't receive, that may not be because you're out of God's will. It just not, may not be His timing right now. And so he clarifies that here. You don't ask and you don't receive. Now, this is where it really gets good here. Verse 4. Adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses. Now, you know what he describes right here? A husband who's unfaithful. That's an adulterer. And an adulteress is a wife that's unfaithful. So he says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enemy with God? So I want you to get what it's symbolizing here. James is saying that a, a man that's unfaithful to his spouse or a woman that's unfaithful to her husband is looking to receive something from someone other than who she's in the covenant with. Now this is what it symbolizes to us. Instead of going to God and asking from God, we become adulterers and we think, I don't need you. I can get this on my own or through other people. And it leads to huge problems when I do this. So look what he goes on to say at the end. He says, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. The spirit longs for us. He envies for us. And you know why he's that way? Because God wants to be intimate with us. And so instead of having a relationship with Father God, we choose to cheat on Father God. And when we do, guys, it leads to frustration. It leads to disappointment. How do you know that? Now look where he taps in here, and this is where it gets good. Look at verse 6. But he gives more grace. Now think about all these things he's talked about up to this point. 
And he's saying, we, we have these wars within us. And we fight and we do this and we do this, but we can't obtain. And so then we get so frustrated, we start going against the very one who can help us. But look what pops up here. Then he gives more grace. Grace defined, guys, is undeserved favor. So he gives us more undeserved favor. Now listen what the Amplified says for that verse. It says, grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. To meet the evil tendency with each, within each one of us. What did he say grace was for? To help us with the evil tendencies within us, which would be what? When we quit trusting God. When we turn our back on God. And so when you look at this, grace was there to help us not be unfaithful to the very one we have a covenant with. Grace will empower me to look to God, to cry out to God. Keep reading. But he gives more grace, therefore. He says, God resists the proud. Now, why would God resist the proud? Because God is against the proud or the prideful because you know what they say? I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. And that's what pride says. And this is the only place in the Bible where I see that God resists people. He doesn't resist the, the, the sinner. He doesn't resist the adultery. He doesn't resist any type of sin. But He does resist the proud. You know why? I don't need you, Father God. So this is where grace kicks in. And look what He goes on to say. God resists the proud, but He gives. He gives. You don't earn it. He gives grace to who? The humble. He gives grace to the ones that say, Oh, Father God, I need your help today. I'm tired of trying to obtain. I'm trying to do everything on my own. And so when you look here, the answer to my problems and my frustration, God gives me more grace. He gives me more grace. Even when I have an illicit a love affair with the world, God will give me grace. And so what this comes down to, when you look at James 4, the start of it's about me trying. All my efforts. But when you get down to grace, you know what it's talking about? Trusting. Man, I just got to trust God. I'm just going to trust you, Father God. And what do I trust? That God will do everything that His Word says He'll do. And that's where Ephesians 2.8 kicks in. Where it says, we've been saved, how? By grace, through faith. Now I just got to believe, faith is the channel, but the power is by grace. And so when I get over and start looking at this, now when I read this passage here, when you hear the teaching that people are saying right now, that grace gives me a license to do whatever I want. I can sin, and grace covers it. Look back at verse 4 and see if this sounds like to you a grace that says do whatever you want. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enemy with God? And whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I'm going to tell you, when I look at that, grace isn't there for me just to blatantly sin. 
Grace is there to help me overcome that. To help me get past that. Now, real quick, oh gosh, go to, go to Hebrews 4. Go to Hebrews 4. I'm going to cut some things here to get to this. This will help me even more. Grace, or chapter, or Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise or assurance remains of entering his rest. Now notice it says entering his rest. It doesn't say my rest. So it says a promise remains of me and you entering his rest. Now you know what rest is in the things of God? It's just a peace. It's just an assurance. It's not a struggle. How many of you have ever slept through the night? And you got up the next morning and you didn't feel like you had a good rest. You tossed and turned all night. Well, a lot of times that happens because we're worried. And we're thinking about things even when we go to bed. But when there's a rest of God on you, oh my, there's a peace. And that rest says, you know what, Father God? I can't solve anything. So there, you have it. You got to help me. You empower me today. So he says, there's a promise of rest that remains. Let us fear, least any of you seem to have come short of it. So what happens is, is we get over in fear, and we get over in fear, we fall short of that rest. I'm tell you, there's a rest in God. And you know what the rest is? I just start trusting Him. I said, alright, Father God. Verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them... But the word which they heard, it did not profit them. Why? It was not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So once again, when the word of God comes to it, I still got to believe the word. You know what faith is? Believing. It's trusting God. So he said here, many of them, they heard the word, but it didn't profit them. Because you know what? They didn't believe the word of God or they didn't trust in it. So you can hear the word day after day after day, but i got to get where I believe it. Now, look at verse 3, and this is good right here. For we who have believed, and remember that word believe there. That's, we, we've gotten in faith. We've trusted and relied on God. For we who have trusted, believed, and right, relied on God, we do enter that rest. So you want to know a good sign in your life, an evidence in your life that you're allowing the grace of God to work in you? You're going to have a rest. You're going to have a peace. In other words, it's not like you're running uphill all the time. You're swimming upstream. No, I know in my life that when the grace of God is working in me, there's a rest. There's a peace. That goes with it. So one way in your life that the evidence is going to be clear. Is it a struggle? Because if it's a struggle, you know what you're probably getting back to? Trying. Effort. And remember what James said? We covet and we work and we struggle, but we cannot obtain. But oh, he's going to give us grace. When we just begin to turn it over to Him. And that's why many of you tonight who were prayed for, even with forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, I would say to Father God, Oh Lord, grace me today. Grace me to forgive. Grace me today. I love to tell the Lord right now, Grace, grace my tongue today, Lord. Why? 
Because if God doesn't grace my tongue, my tongue is very capable of saying things that are not real good. And I'd say, Lord, grace my eyes today. And grace my thoughts today. And all I'm doing, guys, is I'm surrendering and I'm telling Father God, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. I want your grace. I'm, I'm humbling myself. I come before God and say, oh my gosh, Father God, i got to have you today. i got to have your grace. And when we do that, oh, God loves it. Remember, He gives grace to the humble. But when I get over and I don't ever ask God, that's that pride. I said, I don't need God. I don't need nobody. I can figure this out. Well, it's pretty obvious where you've gotten yourself. You look at my life, that's what I can say. Man, I remember 20 years of my life, I tried to fix everything. I couldn't fix nothing. And there's still days in my life, and I realize real quick when I've gotten out of grace. You know why? I start worrying. There's frustration. Turmoil. But oh my goodness, when I know I'm in grace, I'm going to tell you, all hell can break loose around me. And there's still a rest. You know why? Trust God. God, you said this is what you're going to do. What's God going to do? He's going to do exactly what His Word says He's going to do. Exactly. And so I get over trusting, man, that, that's good. That's good news when I know, man, I got God on my side today. Oh, my goodness. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. We're going to have to get out of here. Or the nursery workers.